are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I hope you're inviting people to church these days. You may say it feels like an unusual time to invite people to church, but did you know that we're having first-time guests every Sunday since we've reopened? And we're also having first-time guests online every Sunday. We're excited about that. And so I would challenge you to just be thinking about who you might invite. Uh, in fact, right now, you might send a link to somebody saying, hey, watch, watch service with me online this morning, or uh, invite them to in-person worship. It's, it's, our, it's our DNA. Somebody said to Jesus one day, hey, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. He just opened his arms to people. Andrew met Jesus, and he says to Simon Peter, you've got to come and see. It's, it's, it's our DNA to live with our arms open, Amen. just inviting people to join us. You've got, you got to see what I've discovered. You've got to experience what I've experienced. A ministry colleague whose name is Thaddeus, you know Thaddeus? The other day he said to me, he said, hey, Pastor Rick, I like you talking about open arms, but you do realize, don't you, when Jesus' arms were open the widest, he was dying. Yeah. And so following Jesus and identifying with Christ, which is what we're talking about today, is about laying a life down. It's about surrender. And sometimes it's about suffering. And so, think with me about identifying with Christ. We, 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 we believe so much in it that we put the words on the wall of our church. So we say, we want to become more like Jesus, right? So let's, let's just kind of do something together. If you really want to become more like Jesus, I'm going to say something. And if you can say it, mean it, just say it after me. And if you're alone, you can just enter it into the chat, okay? But I want you to get involved with me here, okay? So I'll say it, then you repeat. Um, maybe with a little energy too, okay? I want to be like Jesus. You're impressing me. I want to love like Jesus. I want to suffer like Jesus. I know, right? I, I feel the same way. And so when I open the scripture and I hear a guy like Paul say, I want to participate in his sufferings and I want to become like him in his death. I push back a little bit and say, you're going to have to let me think about that one for a little bit. But I think we also have to be honest and admit that even Jesus, on the night before the crucifixion, said, Father, is there any way that we could let this cup pass for me? In other words, could I maybe not do the suffering thing? Is there any way not to do the cross and the whip? But if that's what it needs to be, if that's your will, if that's what you want, I will do it. I feel like Jesus in the garden saying, God, I'd, I'd really rather not do the suffer thing if we could avoid that. And I hope that I would have the grace one day, if it came to that, that I would say, but your will be done. If that's what you want, I will do it. So, as we're thinking in this way, I'm going to just confess to you that I struggle to relate very well. As Harlan said earlier, my wife came home one day and she said, Hey, somebody took me to a restaurant. I think you might like it. It's called the Chicken Salad Chick. You ever heard of it? It's actually a chain. Who knew? I do like chicken salad. I can't help it. I like chicken. 
And uh, so we go, and uh, it may be a place that's a little more suited for chicks. <laughs> but, but I liked it so much that I said, I want to go back, and we went back. When we went, uh, I was getting ready to leave, and, and, and I said, hey, I need to run to the restroom real quick. And I came to the first restroom door, and um, on the door it said, chicks. And I thought, well, I can't identify with that. Uh, I can't relate there. So I went to the next bathroom door, which said, chick magnets. <laughs> I went in anyway. <laughs> because I couldn't relate to that either. I've been accused of a lot of things in my life. That's not one of them. I, I think when I come to this conversation on suffering, that, that's where I kind of hang out. I, I, I want to relate in a way I can't relate. Do you know what my life is like? I, I would say beyond comfortable, I'm pampered. Um, did you know that I sleep on a mattress every night of the year? There is not one spigot in my home, not one, that does not have both hot and cold water. There is never a day that I'm trying to find enough food. Most days I'm trying to say, how can I eat a little less food? And there has never been one time in my life, second floor people, <laughs> that, that I have walked away from a situation saying, I am being persecuted because of my faith in Jesus. Never. It's so hard to relate. I'm going to put a statement on the screen and I want you to respond to it. Okay, here we go. There may come a time in your life when you have to suffer for Christ. When I say I want you to respond to it, I mean that. I mean, do you agree that that may be a possibility? Do you say, I, I just don't see it, Rick? If you came to a time in your life when you had to suffer for Christ, do you believe you would stand firm? Would you straighten your back and lift your chin and confess Christ no matter the cost to you or the people you love? What would you do? Let me give you 10 seconds to turn to somebody near you or to enter in the conversation on the chat. How do you respond to that statement that one day you may have to suffer for Christ? I'm only going to give you about 10, 15 seconds here, okay? See, here's what, here's what Simon Peter says in the text today. He says, don't be surprised. And he, and he uses the language that this fiery ordeal that has come upon you, he's talking about their persecution, as if something strange were happening to you. If you find yourself, Simon Peter says, in a position to where one day you find yourself suffering for the sake of the gospel... Don't be surprised like something unusual has happened to you or something strange has happened to you. In fact, it's almost like he's saying, you should expect this as a follower of Jesus. This is likely to happen to you at some point. So you and I know that when, when we find people who are very different from us, we struggle sometimes to identify with that person or to be okay with that person. And what does God say early on when He begins to form His people? I want you to be what? 
different. The word he uses is holy. Kadash, set apart, separate, other than. As Christians, we're supposed to stand out in the world as different. We also believe that some things are absolutely right and some things are absolutely wrong. Some things are morally right, some things are wrong in the eyes of God. Because we believe those things, there are people who would say, I know you haven't said it, but I know you're a Christian, and the fact that you believe what you believe, your presence makes me feel judged. I understand when somebody says that to me. And in any society, Christianity can become a conscience. And often that conscience is unwelcomed. And so Simon Peter says, don't think it's strange if at some point in your life you may have to suffer for Christ. So let me take you to 1 Peter chapter 4. You ready? Uh, Chapter 4, we'll begin with verse 12 and let's just dig into what he has to say. Okay, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This upside down kingdom of God thinking is hard for us to sometimes wrap our heads around. So if I shouldn't be surprised that I'm suffering for Christ, what should my attitude be? He said you should rejoice. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are what? Upside down, kingdom of God kind of thinking. Rejoiced and understand that you're blessed when you suffer for Christ. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler for putting your nose in everybody else's business, in other words. Why are you laughing? (laughs) However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But what? Wow. Rejoice. Realize how blessed you are. Praise God that you bear that name. In other words, that you identify with Christ even in His suffering. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and it begins with us. And if it begins with us, rather, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And then he quotes Proverbs. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. What's it mean to do good? To honor God in your relationship with him, in your relationship with others, to live as God calls you to live every day of your life. This is God's word for us today. And there's a message here for us today as well. Before I moved to Oklahoma City, Annette and I lived in Cincinnati for 10 years. We met some people there who became really good friends. They had moved to Cincinnati, Ohio from a small country called Eritrea in the northeastern part of continent, on the northeastern continent of Africa, across the Red Sea into the Middle East, borders Ethiopia, Eritrea does. 
And through my friendship with those people who attend our church and many other people connected with the University of Cincinnati that they were friends with, we began to host a dinner at our church annually to do two things. One was to raise funds to support the persecuted church in Eritrea and to bring awareness to others about the persecution of Christians in Eritrea. The stories that I heard at those dinners, I'll never forget, of primarily pastors being arrested and imprisoned. And the cell they were imprisoned in was a shipping container that sat along the coast in that small country. And many pastors died in those shipping containers. It seems to me that when you and I think about the persecuted church, we tend to think about the church 2,000 years ago. We think about a Roman emperor whose name was Nero. We think about people who lost their life because of their faith in those early days of the church. And somehow, I think we struggle a bit when we live in the United States of America to remember that the church has always been persecuted and is still being persecuted today. And people are still losing their lives simply because they bear the name of Christ. You understand that today in the country of North Korea, which would be considered the number one country where it is most difficult to be a Christian, Christianity is viewed as hostile and must be eradicated. In Afghanistan, Christianity is not permitted to exist. In Iran, it is illegal to convert to Christianity or to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. We're talking about right now. According to Open Door Ministry, let me just give you some statistics, okay? According to Open Door Ministry, um, 4,000 Christians, just over 4,000 Christians were killed in 2019. 1,200 church buildings were harmed or destroyed completely. Many, many, many Christians have been detained in 2019, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. And, And those imprisonments are without any sense of legitimate trial whatsoever. I mean, this is what's going on in our world today. So would you please stand up? Would you stand up? Would you stand up? Would you stand up? Would you? Would you? Would the four of you stand up? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One more. Uh, would you stand up, Phil? Eleven people are standing. What, what do these eleven people represent? They represent the fact that today, eleven people will lose their lives because they bear the name of Christ and refuse to deny him. That's in our world today. And tomorrow, you see these 11? There will be 11 more. And the next day, there will be 11 more. And the next day, there will be 11 more. And by the end of the day on Saturday, there will have been 60, rather 77 people who will have lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus. That's happening this week in the world that you and I live in. So, Simon Peter says, people are suffering 
Do you understand? People are, are, are suffering for Christ. He, he makes this comment that, that there's only one reason that is good that you suffer for Christ. Only one condition that's acceptable for suffering for Christ. And, and that's for doing good. It's not, it's not that you did something that you shouldn't be doing or that you ran your mouth when you shouldn't be running it or that you're putting your nose where it, where it should not be. I, I think the confusion sets in when we look at the passage and we consider what was happening then and we consider what's happening now and we say, but I thought... Christ was raised from the dead, and when he was raised from the dead, was not sin and death defeated? Then why are people still suffering for the gospel? And why would he say, when you suffer, rejoice? And why would he say, you're blessed? And why would he say, give praise in that moment that you are identifying with Christ? And, and I think that's where the conversation goes. Two, two things, okay? One, he says, to suffer is to fully identify with him. There is a bond that happens with you and Jesus when you suffer for him. It, it's not like there was a bait and switch along the way. Early on, Jesus said, you want to follow me? Come on. Pick up that cross. Let's go. But we do understand that to suffer with him is to be glorified with him. There was never a crown until there was a cross. The, the, the other reason that Paul, that rather Simon Peter gives us is that, is that suffering is also a test of our devotion. You understand that Christians who compromise aren't persecuted. And so the truth of the matter is when you suffer for the Christ, at that point you're pretty much done with sin. This is a huge test of a person's devotion for Christ. So... I think we always come to sermons like this and, and we always kind of, you know, find ourselves saying, so what does it mean for me today and what, what application does it have to my life? And I think besides the fact that we've been challenged to think about what would we do if we had to suffer for Christ and would we stand firm? And we are challenged to pray for the persecuted church in a way that we haven't thought about for a while. I think there's also a lesson here. So we have a, a, a young mom and, and wife who works in our office with us. Her name is Tori Seams, and Tori has two young boys. Harrison is the oldest, and Everett is the youngest. And Harrison, this past week, went to school for the very first time, preschool. And it was a big deal. Wasn't real excited about going to school. A lot of coaching, a lot of praying, a lot of getting him ready to go. So finally, the morning before he goes to school, he's got a checklist. Brush your teeth. He checked it off. Wash your hair. I mean, comb your hair. Uh, get dressed. Pack your backpack. On and on and on. And uh, he checks it all off. And then you kind of check how your mood is for that day. Um, way happy over here. Not too happy over here. He was further over this way. Okay. But it works out. He goes to his first day of preschool, and it works out. It was okay. In fact, it was pretty good. And so he comes home, and everybody celebrates. Harrison, you did school. 
And so the next morning on Friday, they wake up and they begin getting Harrison ready. And he says, what are we doing? Going to school. He goes, no, I went to school. I've already done that. I check off the list. It's over. And I think the reason we find it so funny is because this kid has no idea what he is in for, right? Preschool, kindergarten, 12 more years, and then if he chooses university, and then if he chooses graduate school. I mean, this is a lifetime for him, right? It's not something you do once and say, okay, I did it. Check it off. And so when Simon Peter says, in spite of the suffering... In spite of the condition of your life right now, it's not a one-time thing that you check off a list, but here's his language exactly, continue to do good. Honor God in your relationship with Him and in your relationships with others. Continue to walk the walk. Continue to talk the talk. Keep your back straight and your chin high and confess Christ wherever you are and live the life that he has called you to continue in this life even though you are suffering. So I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. You, you might want to turn and say it to a neighbor. You might want to type it in. You might want to just think about it to yourself. What is your even no? We know what it was for the people in what is today Turkey, Asia Minor. Those many people that Simon Peter was writing to. It was suffering for their faith. Even though you're suffering for your faith, continue to walk with Jesus. Continue to honor God. Continue to do good. What is your even though? Even though our world is is terribly broken right now and it feels like it could fall apart any day. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Even though God did not answer my prayer. I'm going to continue to do good. Even though the healing didn't come. That's a huge one, isn't it? Even though I'm suffering loss and grief. I'm still going to follow him. Even though there is so much hate in this world today. I'm not giving up. What's your even though? It's interesting that he continues throughout the letter. And we've been with him now for weeks and weeks, haven't we? He continues 
to, to list a motivation over and over again. And the motivation is judgment. And so for Simon Peter, it, it's this language. It's in light of God's judgment, okay? I'm going to live all of life in light of God's judgment. He says, you understand that, that life is not just about what happens as long as you are breathing air in this world. There is a day fixed on God's calendar where we will reckon with him. Judgment is coming. And because judgment is coming, because the end of this world is not the end of everything, keep your life surrendered to God and trust Him. I think there's really good news in this. And the good news, Harlan, if you want to come and get us ready to, to, to be in His presence in prayer, the really good news in all of this is simply that if the Word of God calls us to a life the life is possible for us to live. And the truth of the matter is we can stand firm even though. And we can be true even though. And we can straighten our backs and raise our chins and confess Christ even though. And there's a lot of you this morning living with some even those. And we prayed this morning about some even those on the screen. And some of you today may be at a place in your life where you're going, I, I just don't know. And this morning, God whispers to you gently and says, hold true. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, give us strength to resolve in our hearts in this moment That no matter what has happened or will happen, that we will straighten our backs and raise our chins and confess Christ, even though. And my heart is open this morning to people maybe who have been thinking and wondering and longing. To know Jesus deeply. May they even in this moment say, Jesus, I, I come to you. I confess my sin. I want to walk with you. I want to be a Christian, even though. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.